Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roto World Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined today by Lawrence Jackson and Kyle Dvorak. We'll be talking the fallout from a snoozer on Monday night game if you managed to stay up the whole time. And then getting into some of the players we are having the most difficulty ranking this week. Both Lawrence and Kyle also rank for Roto World with their rankings available every Thursday at noon in our season pass tool. My rankings are will be going live in the season pass tool on Tuesday afternoons. And then the free ranks going live on the site Thursday morning. But yeah, last week, Lawrence and I, Kyle, when you weren't here, we had a barn burner of a Monday night doubleheader to talk about. Uh, today, I mean, we could rank our top 10 Daniel Jones sacks from <laughs> um, Do we have takeaways from this game? I mean, I wanted to tweet at some point last night, like if Cooper Rush had like a few good series in a row, I wanted to tweet something like, Dak Prescott down bad. But uh, I, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, Rush is 3-0 and as a starter. Uh, you know, his career numbers are, like, okay. <laughs> I mean – He's uh, fine. He's fine. Yeah, he's more fun than yeah, I yeah. expected, honestly. <laughs> Before After we get to you, Lawrence, Kyle, is Cooper Rush better than Geno Smith? I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah. ke- keeping it in this particular game, I was going to say I actually ran a poll – after the last night's game that said, who would you want at quarterback the rest of the season, Cooper Rush or Daniel Jones? Oh, boy. Out of 200 people, 70% of those people oh, chose no. Cooper Rush. Come on, guys. Dude, Cooper Rush isn't making mistakes. He's not – I think he has one intercept – no, he has no interceptions on the year. He's got a super low sack rate, whereas Daniel Jones, the only thing he can do is throw five-yard completions. And when he isn't throwing those completions, it's not because he didn't make the throw. It's because he got sacked before he ever got the chance. Like – Man, the sacks for him are brutal. He has like the he is a zero out of ten Madden rating of like twelve out of hundred pocket <laughs> pocket presence type of rating. It's unreal. Well, yeah, Cooper dude, Rush was pushing pushing the ball downfield. If yeah. CD Lamb don't drop one, we talking about another Cooper Rush touchdown here. I mean, hey, I don't know. That's true. And Kyle, you talk about the sacks for Daniel Jones. You know, we debate how much are sacks like a quarterback stat. We know they're at least somewhat of a quarterback yeah. stat. And there was a really good tweet last night from Jacob Sanderson, who's a really good follow on Twitter at FF underscore RTDB. And he tweeted, you know, like after like the 19th Daniel Jones sack, he tweeted, <laughs> has Daniel Jones ever just taken a five-step drop and released the ball? Um, <laughs> Cause I don't think he has. He never, ever 
just goes back, makes a read, and throws the ball. He goes back, like kind of like camps out, and then like can never decide what to do, and then gets sacked half the time. And do we do we feel like so clearly this line is bad? Like Evan yeah. Neal, uh, kind of yeah, a rough yeah. night, rough night for the young man. Yeah, um, but so this line is yeah. bad. But I mean, Daniel Jones is definitely contributing to this, is he not? Yeah, d- d- I mean, don't say that to no Giants fans because Giants fans was fighting for their life on Twitter. Like, hey, <laughs> this line. <laughs> I'm like, I, you know, I'm just, I'm gonna stay out your way. I'm gonna just get me a good night's sleep here. You know, I'll let y'all do y'all thing. You know, don't tell them that because Daniel Jones is their Lord and Savior out there, man. Like, he can do no wrong. When in fact he doing you know a uh, a lot of you know not a lot of great things, but no. hey man, it, it everybody contributed to that loss last night except Saquon Barley because that's the real Lord Savior out he, here. <laughs> Saquon is really he's doing his best to save me in a few season long leagues already, and yeah, yeah. it's not like Daniel Jones has a great uh, receiving supporting cat, well especially because of all the injuries. Kadarius Tony like just doesn't play football, and Sterling Shepard with one of the crazier non-contact injuries I've ever seen in my life. Like he's basically just jogging and you feel so, so bad for him. So it's going to be even tougher yeah. now for Daniel Jones, but I don't, we're not seeing the next step here. Are we like, it's just like, I don't, I don't think Kyle, do you think the giants are regretting turning down his fifth year team option right now? And Kyle, I want it. So Lawrence said giants fans are out here fighting for their life. I've been dealing with the same thing with Seahawks fans for two days after I tweeted that Geno Smith was not playing well. And quite, I mean, dozens of Seahawks fans, not even exactly have been tweeting at me, like very taking umbrage with the tweet. And Kyle, I love pointless comparisons. Would you rather have Geno Smith or Cooper Rush as your starting quarterback rest of the season? Um, Cooper Rush? This one's tough. That I one's think closer. That one is closer than Cooper Rush and Daniel Jones. Geno Smith think? has been hitting his layups. Like he is like I right mean, now, I think the highest quarterback in completion percent over expected. But it is, shows but it shows how gimmicky it is when you look at his advanced stats or even like more simple stats like yards per completion, yards per attempt, where he's not really doing anything other than getting the layups. Whereas like uh, yeah. you know, he's not making egregious mistakes, but he just he gives you zero up. Above replacement. There's nothing you see when you watch him play. Exactly. And it makes you feel hope if you're down by more than eight. If there is a one possession gap, you're like, well, that's the ball game right there. So exactly. I, I feel like Geno Smith goes to Geno Smith goes. Thank you. Cooper Rush is the right answer. I think Geno Smith goes to basketball practice and he starts with the layup line and then just stays in the layup line the entire yeah. time <laughs> and doesn't practice anything else. And just Every deep ball is underthrown and every deep ball turns in every intermediate ball turns into a potential hospital ball. Like I, I'm very surprised I have Seahawks fans caped up. I mean, what, whatever he doing, he doing, I mean, Tyler Lockett doing pretty well uh, from a fantasy. 18 receptions the past two weeks. for Tyler Yeah. Lockett. Um, DK Metcalf got in the end zone. I, I know me and Kyle have talked a lot about DK Metcalf and me just hoping that that talent shine through for this particular game. It did. Um, I don't know how consistent that's going to be going forward, but um, yeah, it, it's a, we knew it was going to be a tough situation for them, for them Seahawks. Uh, and, and it's starting to show right now. Cause you know, the Falcons finally didn't find a way to lose a game. So if, if you can't keep the Falcons from doing that, then something is wrong. Yeah, DK Metcalf did have the touchdown. He almost had a second touchdown Sunday. He couldn't get both. He couldn't get either foot yeah. in bounds, actually. I was going to say he couldn't get both feet. He didn't get either foot 
and bounds on his second potential touchdown. I have no idea why I brought up Geno Smith and the Seahawks. I'm just trying to tell me people are because them Seahawks fans was getting at you. So I'm in a Twitter flame war, and I just want you guys to tell me that I'm right. Yeah, they're they're living rent free in your little brain right they now. Actually, you know, <laughs> they are they're quite rent free in my head right now. Uh, final thought on Monday Night Football: the the guy who painted his head blue. Um, oh man, me. We've seen yeah, that's a good point, Kyle. Uh, we've seen some down bad fans in our time, but the all blue head Giants fan after the game was clearly over last night. That guy was definitely contemplating like how he got here. Yeah, what what make it even better is just his facial expression because he could have been on two different sides of the spectrum. He could have been that dude with the blue face paint who, who the rah rah guy like Fireman Ed from the Jets back in the day, but he was just like. You could see the whole giant season and what it's gonna be just by looking at that man's face. Yeah, <laughs> he was having Vietnam flashbacks reflect oh, on his pupils. It oh, was not good. God. Yeah, he had his giant's life flashing before his eyes. So. Yeah, right. Let's hope there aren't any Giants games in primetime anytime soon again. But we know that there will be because everyone watches when they're on. Um, so it's a real, real shame. But time to get on to the players we're having trouble ranking and. I feel like some of these guys are going to end up like a theme, Lawrence. Uh, I don't think, though, that we talked about Kyler Murray last week. And you said he's a quarterback you're having trouble ranking, and I can't imagine why. Uh, you know, 58 attempts and zero touchdowns last week. Uh, what in the world do we do with Kyler? Because my initial week four ranks, I still got him ranked as like a mid-range, almost high-end QB1. Yeah. What are you doing? What in the world should we be thinking of Kyler Yeah, Murray? I mean, right now – just on the strength and you knowing what his potential is, like he is quarterback nine in fantasy right now. So that's where I have him. And that's crazy. Yeah. Like that is right. Yeah. He's still a quarterback one, but we feel like he should be in the upper echelon of quarterback ones. Why? Mainly because he has that rushing ability. The problem with that is he's only got 65 rushing yards through these three weeks. And that is very troubling. You add into the fact that the team can't score. The, the the times that they have scored, it's coming from behind. Week one in the Chiefs, garbage touchdowns. Week two versus the Raiders, they were down 20, down bad. They had to come back. And then we get to week three, and like you said, the 58 pass attempts can't get this guy any touchdowns. Like, yeah, we love, we love the 300 passing yards, but I don't love those eight rushing yards like come on baby I need some more of that so that's what has me you know like that's what's giving me trouble as far as ranking him this week so like I said he's QB9 on a season and it's not great so that's the good thing I guess but that's where I got him right now but I'm having trouble when you got guys like you know it's crazy but Jared Goff and Trevor Lawrence coming up and being a better player you know so that that that's what leaves me puzzled. Well, yeah, Lawrence. Before we get to Kyle and Kyler Murray, that 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 is the problem. Is it's Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Jalen Hurts are like in a tier by themselves at the top, and then it's everyone else has crazy question marks. Justin Herbert is hurt. Joe Burrow is taking more sacks than ever. Patrick Mahomes, the new supporting cast, doesn't seem to be gelling. Tua uh, has had the spiked week. But then he only he only has 18 attempts in week three. That was because of weird game flow, not because of anything. Yeah, really weird. Actually, or Mike yeah. McDaniel did, but one huge game, the two one touchdown games. 
Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Jameis Winston, Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff. It's like, where do you rank any of these guys? And so, yeah, Kyle, I'll be like, I, I, where do you slot Kyler Murray in? Because I just feel like there's n- nothing. I feel like you have the top three. You could probably still slot Justin Herbert in as the top number four. And then it's like, I barely even know what to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I throw Mahomes in there in that sort of tier two of like any. For given sure. For sure. Should pop in. But like it is Allen Jackson and uh hurts and then a tear break and then i think a few more like very good quarterbacks maybe it's just like herbert and mahomes and that i think herbert and mahomes are the second tier and then another tier break probably yeah and i can't unless you give that tier just like 15 guys i'm not even (laughs) sure murray's in the next tier because he's just playing i mean he's playing poorly because i think partially he has really no receivers to work with partially his coach is designing an offense that is sort of intentionally designed to make offense bad is he designing an offense it doesn't really seem like he's designing anything it's not great but also he's played not particularly well he was 23rd in epa per play he is 25th in completion rate over expected and the thing that we used to be able to hang our hat on was that oh well he's just going to run ball things go poorly if anything you know if he's getting pressured or if he just feels the need to make plays i'll just break the pocket and run for 50 yards in a game and like lauren said we have not seen any of that he's averaging 22 yards on three carries a game that's that's almost nothing it's what we expect from like joe burrow trevor lawrence these like mostly pocket passers, but have the athleticism to make a move or two, those types of players. So if he's not going to be passing well, he's not passing deep at all. So his passing yardage can only be fueled by the 59 attempt type of games. Actually, I probably even won't have him as a QB one this week. I had him written up. I, I, you know, it's funny Lawrence brought him up. I had him written up for the 32 stats article as a, a pretty pessimistic on where things are right now. Well, it's what you guys mentioned the rushing stats as being disappointing. And what is most troubling to me about Kyler Murray only only having 65 rushing yards through three games is that he's fully healthy right now. And what we've seen from Kyler in the past is that when he's healthy, he'll provide rushing production. When he's not healthy, he stops running. Either it was to protect his ankle at one point, it was to protect his shoulder at one point. And the fact that he's not rushing even when he's healthy and even when they don't have any passing threats. Now three of three games where he's finished with the yards per attempt below six to – so that definitely lends credence to maybe being more pessimistic, like Kyle said. I think I do agree with Lawrence. I'm a, I'm still going to keep him like that QB 8 to 10 range just because he's. we have three-year sample size of Kyler Murray being you know a high-end fantasy QB 1. I'm having a hard time believing it's just like totally over, but man, maybe the yeah, environment not, is just too bad. Definitely not over. And, and, and look, on the bright side, you know, week one, 34 pass attempts. That was by far his low so far. Week two, he threw it 49 times. And week three, he threw it 58. So, yeah, we like hey, the way that's if, trending. If, 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 if you keep that up. <laughs> we get him to 80 attempts. Maybe we'll get, a, we'll get a top eight day finally. If we just he get- also he plays the Panthers this week in what can only be described as like a potential miserable game. The Panthers offense is going to give no pushback. They're going to give no reason for Kyler Murray to try and push the field in comeback mode. This game looks like it's like a... 17-13 affair. The Panthers like the only team in the NFL who hasn't gone over 300 total yards in the game this year. That it's just <laughs> there's no there's no reason uh for this game to be exciting. So even if things turn around in terms of the win-loss column for Kyler Murray, it's not like it's really going to be the result of an offensive explosion in my mind. So this week particular doesn't look like a, a particularly exciting chance to get back on him. The week after that, he gets Philly. That should be a very good game. And that one I'd be comfortable ranking him as high as like QB six, ignoring what could happen this upcoming week. 
Yeah, but the Panthers, by the way, are like barely allowing like six yards per attempt. Like they're actually playing kind of good defense. Uh, yeah, the defense is hanging on there. It's really the only reason they're not like a bottom tier like team we talk about as like fighting for the 101. Just real quick before we move on to running back. I mean, I have two ranked right now as the QB seven for this week. Is this like what is this a bad decision? Is this a good decision? I honestly don't know. Um, I, I got him at QB seven right now too, right ahead of Joe Burrow at eight. I have um, him one spot behind Joe Burrow actually. <laughs> I like I don't know what I'm doing right now. Yeah, I'm just that, scared. No, that that's uh, I mean that game is. It's the Bengals and Dolphins. We're expecting a shootout, correct? Uh, right. Forty-seven right. total is pretty pretty high on the week. Only forty-seven, uh, really? Yeah, I, I mean, forty-seven is the fourth or fifth highest of the week. You so, got the Falcons and Browns at 49 and a half. That is oh blowing my mind. I'm looking, <laughs> I don't know about that. How is Dolphins Bengals only 47? I'm actually shocked by that. I mean, I think to me, honestly, it's probably a product of the Bengals not really looking like themselves. Despite spending a lot on the offensive line, Joe Burrow just continues to walk into these sacks. And even though we've gotten good performances from Chase and Higgins, uh, we haven't been getting the Chase catches a 20-yard pass, breaks nine tackles, and goes 80. T. Higgins mosses someone 60 yards downfield. That's part of the reason we're seeing you know fat regression from Joe Burrow is the mistakes have not changed. It's, it's if anything, it's getting worse maybe, but really let's just say it's neutral. He's the, the guy who takes a lot of sacks, but he hasn't made the big plays to make up for it. So the offense looks, you know, they're not bad, right? But they're not nearly as fun as they were last year. I, mean, I was thinking like 52-5 or something for Bengals. Yeah. And uh, I guess it is Thursday night. That's probably actually playing a part in depressing it maybe. Um, but wow. All right. Well, yeah, Tua, I'm ranking him, I'm ranking him as a QB. I mean, he's had almost averaging almost 10 yards per attempt per game. That's kind of a bet on just how well-designed the offense has been more than anything else for Tua. Oh, we're not going to get Tua no credit here. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying, I, no, no. Tua has been playing super well. But he's only had the within stats. the confines of the offense that's designed. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> but my point in three, he's only had the stats so far in one of three games. But the offense was still humming in the other two, three games. Just didn't translate yeah. to the box score. So I'm betting the well-designed offense and Tua executing it quite well. I, I would actually um, say to to your point, actually, Pat. Um, I would say that Tua played better than Josh Allen in that game. He did. Josh Allen tried to throw like six interceptions. The the thing with the Bills and why Josh Allen kept, you know, his top three quarterback uh, ranking, they played a lot of plays. 90 Uh, to 39 was the play disparity, Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, man, I would hope to, you know, everything that the Dolphins play more than 39 plays uh, (laughs) (laughs) versus the Bengals, or we could be looking at another low week four tour. But like you, I do have him at seven. And earlier today, I was kind of, you know, that was almost going to be the guy I wanted to talk about um, because I did see the 47 over under. And I was thinking like, damn, well, is this the Dolphins or is this the Bengals? And then I'm thinking like, Maybe it's the Bengals because they did get going, but it was versus the Jets. Um, they haven't been running the walk, the ball well, the Bengals, and you know neither have the Dolphins up until this game versus the Bills. So it, it, I definitely feel you on um, you know settling in on him right there at that spot because it's just you know the way they've been playing. It's hard to see him. You know, it's hard to rank him much lower than that. 
Yeah, yeah. It's just betting on how the player has looked and how the offense just seems to be one of the best design we have going. Right? And a lot of really poorly designed offenses this year, including the Bengals, actually. So, Kyle, we'll move on to running back. And I mean, you could say almost any player. I feel like you're having trouble ranking at running back so far. <laughs> really, really beginning after like the top five or six. But uh, who, who do you want to talk about? I'm talking about Damian Pierce because it looked like we were on pace for an explosion last week. He was getting all the carries, running well. Then the offense kind of gets bottled up with a handful of three and outs, some Davis Mills poor plays, and Damian Pierce fumbles. He, I believe, lost one fumble. I believe he also had a fumble in the red zone that was recovered by his own team, and we're still seeing Rex Burkhead used in the passing game. So all we've got for Damian Pierce is this between-the-tackles player who's done well, so far, but he's running at four yards per carry. He isn't like explosive in a way that you can't imagine how they don't get him 25 to 30 carries a game. And he plays for a team that we expect to continually be losing games. I mean, so far, they don't have a win. They do have a tie over the Colts. Yeah, come but this on, week, man. This, <laughs> yeah. Still not a win, to be very clear. <laughs> and the Colts, man, do not look like a team you want to be tying against, right? They, they have, I get, I mean, I don't know, they did beat the Chiefs, though, but yeah, they beat it was a, uh, boy, an ugly, an ugly win. Uh, so anyway, point being, for a team with a, a fairly low implied team total facing a Chargers squad that, you know, doesn't Herbert look Fine, good enough, made at least, he made one beautiful throw last week. So he looks like he can play through the injury. It might not be enjoyable for him. But anyways, Texans, five-point dogs with a team total below 20. He's a between-the-tackles banger. I don't know what to do with that, right? Because he also looks good in that role, and he is getting every single carry. But it's like, how do you rank these like Josh Jacobs, these uh, Damian Harris types, where you're just betting on them falling into, an, into the end zone. I want to bet on Her on uh, Pierce's talent, right? He looks like a good back, and they're treating him as such. But the fumbles last week for for a coach like Lovey Smith, who's shown like a very up and down relationship with Damian Pierce. First week, iced him out for Rex Burkhead, talks him up, gives him a ton of work. The next week, talks him up, gives him a ton of work. The next week again, and uh, was kind of punished for it this week with the fumbles. Well, before Lawrence, I'll ask you your thoughts on Damian Pierce, but Kyle, I thought you made a good point where you've, you've got him in the right tier, right? I have him one spot ahead of Josh Jacobs. So I have him as the RB 22 in my initial rankings. This could change, but I have him one spot ahead of Josh Jacobs, three spots of Damian Harris, like definitely the kind of company he's keeping is like an early down banger, but I'm giving him the advantage over those two just because with Josh Jacobs, I still don't know if Josh McDaniels even wants to use Josh Jacobs where I do think the Texans, in theory, want to use their running game. Hopefully the fumbles don't change that, like you said. And then Damian P Harris, just don't know how it's going to unfold with Ramondre Stevenson without Mac Jones. So I think you've got him grouped with the right players. I do have him at the head of that group. Sure. Lawrence, whereabouts uh, do you have Damian Pierce? Yeah, so Damian Pierce is, for me personally, this is a guy you just kind of try to play the matchups and, you know, decide whether or not you want to throw him in the flex. Last week in my uh, Optimal Flex article, I brought up Damian Pierce's going against the Bears. There's a low over-under. Both teams will have low passing value. All right, so that happened. Damian Pierce ended up scoring now. We're here. Now we're playing the Chargers. You're, you're minus four and a half and the over-under is 45. So I think Kyle alluded to her earlier, um, expecting them to be behind and, and Damian Pierce still not getting that work uh, in the passing game. That's worrisome. So this definitely would be, you know, uh, confusing to me too. I currently got him in the uh, mid-20s for this week. Um, and going just a little bit further as far as, you know, 
in in redraft, I would actually recommend uh, seeing what's out there as far as a trade, like try to trade him off and, you know, get something for that 20 carry 80 yard one touchdown game and maybe somebody hurting for a running back or something. Uh, because week in, week out, I feel like it's going to be like whatever matchup, you know, looks good on paper and, and then you throw him in. But De- like Damian Pierce probably going to be a dude until he gets the passing role. We'll be, you know, confused about where to rank him every single week. Lawrence, I'm just ashamed of you. We don't ever trade our hype beasts. Yeah, you don't ever, <laughs> ever, ever sell high on the players we've been hyping. <laughs> no, it's actually – Pretty interesting case you just made there. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's probably not the best, probably not the worst idea. So, Lawrence, Damian Pierce, we're talking about he's in the RB2 flex. You want to talk about someone more like the high end range. A uh, very, very confusing situation for week four at the back that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, definitely uh, Dalvin Cook. And this is the guy I had coming into the season is being the top running back in fantasy. So, as far as real football is concerned, two of the three games he's run for over 90 yards, which is that's pretty good. That's in the Vikings two wins. He's he's done that. But now he's got the shoulder issue popping up again. And pretty much why, I'm, you know, puzzled on where to rank him is for that reason is the shoulder. Uh, will he play or will he not? Well, if he doesn't play, it becomes much easier where to rank him. You unrank him. You know what I'm saying? But no, no, hold you- on. Hey, man, I, I might still rank him even if he doesn't play. You know, you never know. Uh, yeah, sorry. You're right. Now, now, it was not worth interjecting to make that joke. Now, if he does play, now it's like, and you know, you know, these, a lot of running backs get in this situation, especially when they dealing with something like soft tissue injuries. They play them, and then it's like, man, do I, do I bench this guy and then he go off or, you know, then when I put him in, he scored two points and come out in the first quarter. We, we hope not to deal with that situation. And that's why it's making it puzzling to, you know, rank him. So right now I have him at running back 15 just to be, you know, safe. Like if he plays, is he going to be in a 50, 50 split with Alexander Madison? We know that's not the case when he's healthy. But he's not right now. Now, he's played through this situation in the past. He's even ran a 200-yard game last season with the hurt, hurt shoulder and the harness that he's talking about wearing for this week. So all, a lot of factors going on with this because of his injury that he sustained in week three. So now we got to see where we all rank him. Yeah, Lawrence, this, could be, made this re- could be like a basketball player mask narrative. Whenever a basketball player dons the the actual like mask, they become a superhero and they go out and go nuts. We could have the Dalvin Cook shoulder harness narrative because I was trying to think of when he played through that uh, played yeah, through shoulder last, last time, and I didn't know he it was the game he went yeah. off for. It was, but Danny and I talked about Monday. It was after he missed a game. He missed a game, then he came back with a harness. So he should go for even more. <laughs> yeah. So they're saying this year, like since he's used to it, he's just gonna play with the harness immediately. Also, I was, we, Danny and I talked about there's going to be a pretty big tell because uh, they're going to London. They might be departing today. And if Dalvin Cook makes the flight, you're probably not flying the guy to London if you think he's not going to play in the game. That's true. So if he makes the flight, I'm kind of expecting like a normal Dalvin Cook type of game and workload. And if he doesn't make the flight, uh, 
Probably not going to rank him. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I doubt he's going to be flying to London on Friday he, or Saturday. He, he, gonna, he ain't going to take the red eye to get the no, London. <laughs> no, 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 he's not. So, yeah, not taking the – especially – they've been having – this is getting way too nerdy, but they've been having, like, flight chaos at Heathrow Airport. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to try to sneak him in <laughs> over the weekend. Before we get out of the running backs, Cordero Patterson is a guy that I just feel like I don't know. He's had two really big games – one game where he tied with Tyler Algier and carries the big games are still like, so he had 25 carries week one. He had this huge game against the bad Seahawks defense this weekend that only came on 17 carries. Like the Seahawks are just bleeding yardage, like yards per run yards for reception and yards per drive. Like they're horrible. in basically every metric, the Browns, it's going to be a different story. I mean, the over under though. I did not realize this over under would be so high. Kyle. So Kyle, your eyes that, light that up. Makes you think a little bit. That Are we chasing think. points with Cordero Patterson this week, Kyle? Yeah, I think he's like a good candidate to be at the top of the uh, like Damian Pierce style rankings because pretty much everything we've seen from him so far is right now healthy and uh, you know getting the bulk of the work. He's been electric on the on the workload that I would have said would have been bad for him. Frankly, he's got. Uh, you know, back-to-back games with a combined one catch, one target in each, didn't catch it two weeks ago, only has 28 receiving yards. And, and if you just told me that stat line through three weeks, I don't have much Patterson in best ball. And I would have been like, oh man, I am I am cruising. Patterson must be absolute dust. And instead he's doing the thing where he just keeps breaking long runs because he is that type of player and they're loading him up with carries now in an attempt to continue breaking him open. And it's working. So honestly, I actually think... Uh, He's like a strong candidate to lead the Harris. I think Miles Sanders kind of is in this group, Josh Jacobs. I think I'll probably have him ranked at the top of that because we're not seeing him play the fun receiving role. It just hasn't mattered. I don't know if they're needing him as much in the past game because of the emergence of Drake London and and what they're getting from him. Like just on the strength, like Cordero Patterson, as far as just like straight up talent is extremely good at running the football. He is, Um, man. He was really putting that on display against the Seahawks. I I, I think what NFL teams should start doing is drafting running backs in the fifth round, making them kick returners for five, six years, (laughs) and then making them workhorse running backs. Develop that vision on the kicks. And then just to see what happened. Um, Dude, best running backs are kick returners. There's no doubt about that. Like David Johnson as a peak was all he started as a really good kick returner. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I I like talent. Yeah. I I like 141 rushing yards against any team. I'll take that against any squad. Like he was getting, he was chopping them up, but he, I mean, right now he's a top five fantasy running back. I'm not going to rank him top five this week versus the Browns. I wouldn't do it versus anybody, but then again, we'll watch him go end up getting another hundred yards and doing it again. It This is even harder to rank than Damian Pierce because you should feel like you should be ranking him as a top 15 running back because that's the production he's providing. But what we do, and I'm doing it too, is we keep waiting for him to fall off because he's 31 years old, but he doesn't. The What's even more confusing about this, like Kyle said, he's not getting any receiving work when, you know, he came into the NFL as a receiver, you know, so he's not getting that either. So it's just like, what do we do with this dude? Um, I mean, just on volume alone and opportunity, I got him at running back 16 right now. 
Yeah. Yeah. This is why we're talking about him. So such a wide range of potential outcomes. I have him as the RB24, which frankly feels a a little low, but I just feel like we don't have a firm grip on the usage because he split carries with Tyler Algier in week two. That was really weird. He's facing a Browns. By the way, producer Adam says the line started or the over under started at 46 in this game and steamed up to 49 yeah, and a half. Maybe another, maybe a, maybe an extension of what Kyle Pitts did in, yeah. in three. But, maybe we actually get that deep ball touchdown. Maybe Marcus Merritt actually hits that pass. I don't know. But see, Pat, he's facing a Browns defense that contained Christian McCaffrey in week one, totally shut yeah. down Najee Harris in week three. I mean, that's maybe more yeah. with the Steelers. Yeah, it's not that hard to do, frankly. <laughs> no, come on, yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to definitely be t- a little more tough sledding uh, for Cadero Patterson this week. And I, I just know you have to get him the ball. Like You do. You got to get, like, there's Kyle Pitts, of course, and now there's Dre London, but you got like this dude has been the Falcons offense since he walked through the doors in 2021, like which is still crazy to it me. Is. I'm still blown away by this whole thing. But like you say, Pat, the the week two performance versus the Rams, you got to take that into consideration, too. And so we've saw a big week one, uh, a bad week two, and then a another big week in week three so is this like a pattern do we get the bad week again that's what makes it tough it could be matchup based and i just didn't think it was a great matchup but apparently vegas thinks it's a great matchup for scoring points so. well they, they might think it's a great matchup for nick chubb and then then and they're correct they do yeah nick chubb looking like a top five or six back this week. we run against anybody <laughs> we'll be right back after this to talk receivers This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially step up like a boss and save the day or see what life's like under the tree of life did you if you could would you when we come through it's true magic because we came to play bring the magic at walt disney world resort it's one thing falling in love with a house picturing yourself moving in and calling it home and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, to go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, Major League Baseball, on the NASCAR circuit, and in the Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Chiefs and Buccaneers in our Sunday Night 7 contest. And don't forget to check out Matthew Barry's new show, 
Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Barry. The legendary fantasy football analyst is back with NBC and Roto World doing what he does best, rolling out his love-hate list, breaking down who to start and sit, and so much more. There will also be actionable information along the way for you sports bettors. Check it out weekdays at noon on Peacock or listen to the show in podcast form wherever you download and subscribe. Lawrence, by the way, you killed it on the Matthew uh, Barry Fantasy Football Happy Hour on Monday. Um, oh, man, appreciate it. I was uh, I was telling them yesterday that I, I I went to the I went to the bathroom before the show and start singing Eminem "Lose Yourself" in my head. <laughs> and, you know, just just can't you know be dripping mom spaghettis all over my hands and palms yeah. sweaty. You know, I couldn't. <laughs> in person, I think the Zoomers would say hits different. Yeah, um, it, 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 having to do something in person versus it, over the stream or the Zoom. It, it definitely does. Definitely does, man. Well, you and Crane did amazing. And so did Connor. Uh, really, really good show Monday. Really, really good guests you had. Uh, really, really good receivers we're going to be talking about here. Because, Lawrence, you don't know where to rank Jamar Chase. Yeah. And I, I feel like the, the whole receiver position is just like this right now. What yeah, is the you, Jamar Chase lay of the land? Yeah, so, you know, and it's not even we, – we're not going – we're not going to be too mad at Jamar Chase for being wide receiver 13 early in the season. The thing about that, that's bolstered by that week one big game that he had versus the Steelers in which T. Higgins left that game early. That enabled Jamar Chase to just be, you know, straight up like the man. However, the last two games, uh, Higgins, 17 targets, 11 catches, 164 yards in the TD compared to Jamar Chase. 19 targets, the same 11 catches, but only 88 yards in the touchdown. So I already had Higgins, you know, coming into this season uh, ranked a little higher than Jamar Chase because Joe Burrow does not favor either one of these guys. But when you look at the box score versus the Jets and you see, you know, that Joe Burrow threw for 275 and, you know, three touchdowns, Jamar Chase had a touchdown and 10 targets, you would think he went off. He had six catches for 29 yards in that game. So that's leaving me. And now they get an actual test versus the Dolphins, who played great defense against the Bills, especially down the stretch. Now I'm wondering, like, where do I rank this dude? Because he was he was the third receiver taken off the board in most fantasy drafts. So now he's wide receiver 13 coming off a week in which he was wide receiver 41 with 10 targets and a touchdown. He was wide receiver 41. So now clearly I'm not going to rank him that low, but I'm Come still, on, yeah, put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> but but I'm, 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 I'm a little shaky where I'm going to have him this week. Right now I have him at wide receiver nine because I just can't be too disrespectful to that great talent. <laughs> Kyle, uh, what's your I, – I'm keeping Jamar Chase as a wide receiver too, by the way, this week. I'm keeping Cup, Chase, and Jefferson tiered as the top three for now. And Diggs, I feel like, has been running so hot. But Gabe, I think, is going to be a lot more involved this week. Not really sure what's going on with Devontae Adams. Amonra, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, Debo Samuel, so on and so forth. So I'm, I'm keeping the Chase faith for this week. Break the tie. Are you giving him a little drop or are you keeping the faith? I think I'll be closer to you. I'm pretty sure I'm going to flip Diggs over him, uh, but I think I will still keep 
him just in that top four. I think as soon as we saw Diggs come out and rebound in in week one, I was like, yeah, he's the Diggs. He's always been last year was kind of a fluky year for him. So I'm comfortable putting him as like he, he should have been going exactly in the same spot. Cup, uh, Chase and Jefferson were any four. Well, any Cup is number one. I don't think it's that close. Any of the uh, rest he had a of bad the game. Kyle, I don't know if you heard. He's uh, he might not have seen his rushing touchdown. No, I was. <laughs> I, I forgot for, he had a rushing touchdown. That's all right. He only got like 14 <laughs> points. I can't believe so. they let him score on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I needed a little more in a, in a few leagues than like 14 points. So that didn't feel great. But uh did save the day with the rushing touchdown. I will. He's washed. Yeah, he might be washed, man. I don't know. I'll have to, I'm not willing to say it yet, but it's close. We're about a game away. Uh, I think I'll have uh, Diggs at three and Chase at four. But like. Oh, wow. Lawrence makes really strong points about just the fact that T Higgins in the past two weeks has been the number one receiver. And I don't think it's because Higgins is clearly the number one, but I also think it's, it's because Chase is also not clearly the one. They just have two number ones and in any right. given week, it could go back and forth. And that's something you have never had to worry about with even, I love Gabe. I'm not worried about it with Diggs though. I, I'm not worried about it with cop. I'm not worried about it with Jefferson, despite, you know, a, a down week or two, I'm still not worried about it. Whereas like it's a legit coin flipped as to who leads the team in targets, you know, catches every receiving stat every week for the Bengals. Yeah. Kyle, you wanted to talk. Well, we both floated a name that I feel like is almost impossible to rank right now. And he plays for a football team that is real and exists called the Washington commanders, the real NFL team. Oh, NFL team. I, yeah. I, I I assume they were a football team, but, you know, there's a lot of like minor league type of situations, arenas, uh, you know, fields and whatnot. So I figured play, they were one of those leagues. Uh, turns out uh, formerly known as the football team. Frankly, I wish they would have stuck with that. I did it, it, it was the correct play. Uh, I'm, I'm with y'all on that one. <laughs> by far the play and they choked. What a surprise. <laughs> so Terry McLaurin, uh, I, I, we saw last week he got over 100 yards, which is kind of the, the volatility we should come to expect from him, right? Where he goes out one week and maybe he saves it with a touchdown, but it's 20 yards. And the next week, it doesn't take much for him to get over 100 because he's clearly the team's field stretcher. Curtis Samuel, despite leading the team in targets, has like a sub five eight on. He is just, I don't want to say a, a gimmick player, but he's a, he's a slot short guy that they want to get. He's a gimmick player. <laughs> Fine, <yeah. laughs> he's a good gimmick though. He's a good, uh, you know, gimmick doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? He just has a very specific role that's not the most common in the NFL. For a player to be leading his team in targets with the 5A dot, that's just not typical. He's doing well in it. But to me, I want the guy who maybe he gets a few less targets over the course of the season. It's not like he's getting blown away by Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin. But I want the guy who maybe gets a few less targets, but gets 10, 15 air yards on each one of those targets. Because I think that's the upside we should generally be chasing. And to me, I also want to be chasing the sort of prior of uh, Terry McLaurin having just years being the dominant alpha in Washington, whereas Curtis Samuel was, and fr- frankly, he was he was the more of a gimmick when he was playing under Ron Rivera back in their days in Carolina. He didn't even have his biggest breakout re- season as a receiver until the year Rivera left. So uh, to me, I-, I think this will slowly normalize to Terry McLaurin being the number one. Probably not like he used to be, though, because he has far better competition. That's no doubt. You can't contest that. Where, where do you have him ranked for this week, by the way? Yeah, well, as someone who isn't going to do my ranks about 24 okay, hours. That's fine. Know, I'll tell you where I, I have him ranked. <laughs> I think it's going to be like <laughs> mid-20s. Yeah. I've got him as the wide receiver 31 right now. Just I'll be a little higher than you. Who, who Terry? Terry, be, for yeah. a variety of reasons. It's because he has been percolating. Like he's, He had eight, eight targets in week two, nine in week three. Finally, it's the 100-yard game. It does seem like he's trending in the right direction. Clearly, like you said, the field stretcher. But we, now we have – 
uh, Carson Wentz trying to deal with Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. Hopefully, Demarcus Lawrence is healthy. Trayvon Diggs maybe to line up. No, Trayvon Diggs is perfect. Trayvon Diggs is the corner you want. On well, he's the gambler, he's but gonna, he's going to pick off Carson Wentz twice. They're going to get in a big <laughs> hole, and then he's going to get burned by Terry McLaurin in the fourth quarter when the game's been salted away for about twenty minutes. I think Carson Wentz is a perfect Trayvon Diggs one because I think he'll be able to jump the routes and won't have to worry about Carson Wentz hitting him over the top. And <laughs> it just seems like a very bad matchup for Carson Wentz and Terry McLaurin, and a very very good week to get Curtis Samuel ten targets. And so I've got Curtis Samuel with a really narrow rankings advantage and Terry McLaurin. And yeah, if Terry McLaurin ranked a lot lower than I ever want to have a player as good as Terry McLaurin ranked, but it just, I, I, man, I, after seeing what they did to Danny Jones, our boy, Danny, on Monday <laughs> night, I'm just, Micah Parsons might like remove Carson Wentz's spleen this week. I'm just really worried about it. Uh, I mean, I, I got both Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin in the, uh, the latter part of the twenties as far as receivers, but for Curtis Samuel to see 11, nine, and then 10 targets, that, that, that's, that's real. Like you take, you take notice. Do you have real. Or, that, you have Samuel over uh, Terry. I did last week. Now, <laughs> it, it, Terry, now Terry Malone obviously ended up having the hundo, but you know, again, Curtis Samuel led the team in targets. Easily. Um, what I, I what separated in the first two weeks though is that Curtis Samuel scored in the first two weeks he didn't in week three. I don't the, the way this is going and the way that the Commanders run their offense and you know Carson Wentz just wow Carson Wentz like he he all over the place like he was back in his bag last week. <laughs> yeah, the, the good thing is that don't affect our receivers. What he does as long as he get them the ball and he he is. Terry Millhorn is, you know, I, I could, yeah, he could, you know, get back to his, you know, number one role. I actually don't ever think that left, but Curtis Samuel is just like the clear number two. I don't want to call it a 1A, 1B, but he's a strong number two in that offense. And he he's not just going to go and be like, you know, it's not going to normalize to getting five and six targets. I I just can't see that after three consecutive weeks of him seeing this, this high volume, like they need Curtis Samuel in this offense. That's clear. Uh, Terry McLaurin this week, I won't rank Curtis Samuel above Terry McLaurin, probably because of the reasons y'all just named, you know, Trayvon Diggs will probably, you know, he might do well on him. He'll lock him up, get a pick or two, and then he'll give up that deep ball to Terry McLaurin because that's what he do. And then Curtis Samuel get his nine catches for 65 yards. And whether or not he gets a touchdown will determine whether or not it paid off for us people who started him in the flex. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think Terry McLaurin will normalize to being the, the top-ranked commander's receiver in fantasy. But, yeah, I, I, I just don't think it's going to be this week. I think running for his life – Carson Wentz doesn't have a bigger Curtis Samuel commitment than ever. Um, I wanted to ask you guys about the Jets receivers where it was getting less confusing uh, where it just Garrett Wilson is becoming the guy, but now Zach Wilson is almost certainly coming back for week four. And I feel like I don't know what to do again. And Kyle, I mean, are we ranking Garrett Wilson or Elijah Moore higher with Zach Wilson coming back and, is there any chance these attempts stick? I mean, there's there's no way they're going to have uh, Zach Wilson throwing 45, 50 passes a game, right? 
Yeah, I, it's interesting because that is uh, like you would think that's what they'll be forced to do, just given the fact that they should probably lose most of their games from here on out. But I think it would be more of a philosophical approach that you just don't want your quarterback who's been beat up both physically and in terms of his lack of success mentally throughout his short career. Uh, you just don't want him having to drop back 55 times in a game. So <laughs> it should be the correct answer that when you're you know losing to the Bengals, you're down early, you have to throw a lot. But if that situation comes up with Zach Wilson, I would think they probably don't want him doing as much. He does stylistically have the type of fit that would also want to be throwing like downfield to receivers, to the tight ends, not to the running back. So that would hopefully help, you know, the, the Garrett Wilson and the Elijah Moore arguments we saw last year, anytime he was in the lineup, it was not good for Elijah Moore. So I think I'll be taking Garrett Wilson. They tied in targets last week. Neither did, you know, I don't think either even top 10 fantasy points PPR, but actually Garrett Wilson did. He got the 12. So I, I think I'll, I'll have Garrett Wilson ahead of him now, but once Zach Wilson is back in the lineup officially, I, I won't be, I'll be ranking them both lower than I did with Joe Flacco, unfortunately. It's sad, but it's where we are. I think where I'm at is I'm lowering Garrett Wilson this week. I'm keeping him ahead of Elijah Moore, but I'm actually raising Elijah Moore based on where I had him. Just kind of anticipating Garrett Wilson's been too good where you can't a quarterback change just can't scare you off him completely. But I do think we might see a steadier target share for Elijah Moore over the next two or three weeks. So keeping Garrett Wilson ranked higher just in like the spiked week and potential and this is overall play so far. So I've had to lower him, but I do think I I, I kicked Elijah Moore up just a little bit just because I think Zach Wilson, as he's getting reacclimated to the offense, is going to be kind of funneling. Uh, almost in a it's different type of players, but almost in a, a Curtis Samuel type way, or is it, he's like his security blanket, just getting the ball to Elijah Moore. I'm not uh, as confused on like I'm keeping Garrett Wilson ahead of Elijah Moore. Right, good, thank God. Like like easily, um, I can't you know undo what I saw so far from Garrett Wilson. But then you, you you know what Elijah Moore did last season started to creep into your mind a little bit. But then again, a lot of that was with Joe Flacco. They they could just solve every, all our problems. Everyone but Zach Wilson. It was unreal. Mike White comes yeah, in, balls they, out. Josh Johnson just, comes in, goes nuts. They could just save a lot of our problems and questions by just leaving Joe Flacco. Yes, they could. in the game. Like they, what are they gonna do? They ain't winning nothing. <laughs> like give us what we want. Give, give us Jolton Joe. Like I want that fifty-two pass, uh, Joe Flacco every week. Give it to me every week because if if I knew that's what I was getting, I'll put Garrett Wilson in my flex every week, every week. And, and then you know eventually Elijah Moore would kick up. I mean, ten targets. He ain't do nothing with him this week. But I mean, come on, man, let's just do us all a favor, Sala Robert Sala. Stick with Joe Flacco, baby. Hey, Joe uh, Robert Sala should not forget about the comeback that Joe Flacco engineered just the week before. Do do it for the fantasy folks, man. Yeah, do the right thing. And never in my life did I think anything would make me want to watch Joe Flacco, but that was until Zach Wilson came around. (laughs) So, or Zach, you could just take a step forward. That would be huge. That too. I ain't gonna be mad at that. We're going to end the show here, Lawrence, by hitting tight end. And you're talking about a guy that, yeah, I'm feeling very confused with. There's Mr. Darren Waller. And it's kind of like this in chaos Raiders offense. What are we doing with Darren Waller for week four? Well, it's, it's been up and down for him. He had the good week two, fell off the week four because, you know, it was uh, Matt Holland's birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
<laughs> so he so he came out the wood where I, I got it now that George Killing George Kittle is back in the fold with Jimmy G and you know we love that combo. I, I would uh, you know it, it's tough because you know Darren Waller at his peak is top three upside at the position, which in that tight end that's all we really care about is the top three, four, maybe five tight ends, and the rest of it just ain't about nothing. Um, tight end just in general is is confusing to rank. Now you have an elite one who kind of tailed off and the Raiders are 0-3 and everything's not going right for him. But just like out of the respect of you knowing that he's a good player and what he could do, you got to keep him in the top six or seven for the week. Um, it is making it confusing for me right now, personally, so confusing that I don't even have him ranked yet. Kyle, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, just, I, feel, I feel this way about Darren. I feel this way about every tight end right now. Yeah, tight end. Yeah, well, that's the problem is he shouldn't be one of the tight ends where I feel this way about. It. Like, like you don't look at Mark Andrews and go, "I feel bad about tight end this week." It's once you have to rank the third player, the fourth player, you're like, "Oh, tight end sucks." But these, he should be the type of player that gives you a sort of reprieve from that. And instead, he's like. 13th in target share. They're using him farther downfield than is typical, which means he does have some upside, at least on a per target basis that we haven't quite seen before, especially uh, over a sample of multiple games. But uh, like, it's at the point where like Zach Ertz is getting so much work that in a PPR league, I still think I'm taking Waller over him. But the fact that it's a conversation means we are in a, a classic down bad situation. Like if we saw, <laughs> I mean, the total for for David and Joku in the Browns game is so high, and we finally saw David and Joku do the thing where he gets a lot of targets, isn't an untackable grown a man. If he does that again this week, he could easily outscore Darren Waller. So he's he's close to being in the volume or efficiency hype based tight end like second tier I, I think i might kick him out of the first tier this week oh man yeah Foster monroe foster moreau there oh, you boy. go oh no by the way lawrence i was happy for you when david and joku i knew you had been one keeping the njoku faith and i was starting to get really like just basically <laughs> tweet like yeah he's bad <laughs> hey, I, I, I actually got, game. <laughs> that game has that game. Then I looked at the over under. I got David Njoku as tight end seven this week. Let's, Let's go. go. Let's go. For, yeah, 49 and a half. I don't know. It's apparently steaming upward. It might get over 50. Um, so this show just went over 50, which means it's time for it to end. The over under was at 49 and a half minutes. We're at 51 minutes. So we hope you took the over. We hope you're cashing out. Uh, we really glad you listened. Um, any any final thoughts, guys? Kyle and Lawrence, um, what do we what do we have coming up on the site from you guys this week? How about that? By the time you listen to this, thirty two stats will have dropped. I uh, I think I was literally working on this while we were doing this show, to be honest. Uh, oh so that'll be. Hey, I'm doing research. It, this is also certainly applicable to the show. I'm sure I mentioned some stat I found. All right, I'm fired. That's fine. I don't have anything coming up because I just got fired, guys. <laughs> now thirty two stats, and then just check out the uh, Thursday preview show. Those are the big ones up until the end of the week for DFS. For sure, for sure. Make sure you, if you're watching this, continue to watch this show. <laughs> um, I also got a stock up, stock down on every on players uh, coming out on Monday. That came out so yesterday. And then Wednesday, Optimal Flex plays. Last week, uh, Damian Pierce was in it. Uh, Garrett Wilson again, They're 12 points, but whatever. So, yeah, <laughs> we, we, we got some, we got more hits than misses there. So, check that out. Check it all out. Yeah, like check out the show. Uh, yeah, preview show Thursday. Got the rankings coming out. You guys have your rankings going up in the season pass. 
So for Lawrence, for Kyle, I'm Pat. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you later this week. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.